one. We're live. Excuse me. Welcome to the Jonathan Cogan Show. It's good to be with you. It's good to be in your ear. It's good to be on your speaker. Wherever you are getting this transmission, just know that you are loved and someone in this world cares about you because I care about you. I have to come clean. I am sorry. You come to the Jonathan Cogan show to hear the facts that we know the mainstream will not be coerced into sharing for six to 12 months as we do on this podcast. Go look at the last 20 podcasts. They've all come true. Every single one. We are not interested in conspiracy theories on this show. We are interested in facts. We are interested in truth and we believe in your critical thinking skills. We believe that you should have free thought. We believe you can handle all of the information at hand, and we believe you can come to a conclusion that is best for yourself and your loved ones. We do not spew propaganda. We do not try and convince you of something because we have an agenda like having 80% of our revenue come from Big Pharma. So let's get into it. I do owe you an apology. I've been covering a lot of topics, and yes, those topics are important, but this is the topic that should have been getting the most views. This is the topic that needs to be put out into the public sphere and constantly talked about until we get the answers, and that is the mRNA vaccines. There are so many people that did, quote, what is best for the greater good and was subsequently injured or possibly died. And when that occurs, those very people are labeled as anti-vax or liars, like they're trying to get further behind in life because when you say something like that, literally nothing good comes out of it except people try and tear down your reputation and just crush your hopes and dreams. So it's not like this whole world just like trying to like make their life worse, but this is serious. I got a lot to share with you. I got a lot of clips and a lot of articles. And I do have to say that the second video is going to pull on your heartstrings. We need to recognize this group of people. And also the reason why this is really so important is because there is one thing that my entire life has pissed me off so much. And that is when people mess with kids, when adults mess with kids, you are an adult. So if you make a decision for yourself and it doesn't turn out well, you know, so be it. Do I care? Of course I care. I love human beings. I'm pro-human. But you're an adult. You can make that decision. But when propaganda or agendas are at play to get a child to do something or you as an adult do something negative to a child, I can't just sit by and be silent and complicit. Those are children. That's why I, unlike the mainstream media, is not a fan of Jeffrey Epstein. I don't like people who go to an island to sexually abused children. For example, Bill Gates, 37 times. Bill Clinton, 
former president of the United States, Kevin Spacey, putting his hands down boys' pants since the day he was born. There's uh, uh, Prince Andrew, one of the ultimate players in the Great Reset, the evil people that are pushing the mRNA vaccines, which, by the way, I'm going to play a clip right after this, are also trying to hold on to their power and their wealth as the times are changing. They don't care about you. Government doesn't give a damn about you. They don't want to relinquish their power. When people are in power, they never want to get rid of power. They are obsessed with power. And as you know on this podcast, we are apolitical. We like to be left alone. We like to just live our lives. And until you step on my toes, I'm good. But now the gov has stepped on my toes. And if you step on my toe, I chop your foot off. That's not a threat. It's just the way things are. This first clip is Albert Bola. So who's Albert Bola? I wish I was a little bit taller. He's the CEO of Pfizer. Some people, according to the mainstream media, he's the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And you are, you know, on this podcast, we're not religious. We are not political. We are just for the human species. So Albert Bola, I wish I was a little bit taller, gives a minute and about 50 second little clip of how they decided to chose mRNA. And about two episodes ago, we talked about Alex Jones. And in that trial, the judge said, you need to tell the truth. Like, I need to tell you again to tell the truth. And what you're saying is not true. And then Alex Jones goes, well, I understand. But I believe what I said is true. And she goes, well, that's why we're here. Just because you believe something doesn't make it true. That's why we're here. You know, it doesn't matter what you, it's just not true. We are the arbiter of truth. We are the ministry of truth. Listen to Albert Bola talk about, well, how they decided to use mRNA vaccines and that it was unconventional that he went with his instincts because he believed the very same thing. Why don't you just take a listen, come to your own conclusions, and we'll talk about it right after this. But this is a minute 57 seconds. This is Albert Bola. I wish I was a little bit taller the CEO of Pfizer, a couple questions about how, why mRNA technology was, quote, counterintuitive to producing an effective vaccine. Listen closely, please. Into the weeds here and the mRNA technology, when you and you and your, your colleagues were trying to decide which route to go down, the traditional vaccine route or the mRNA route, you, you write that, um, it was, quote, most counterintuitive to go the mRNA route, and yet you went that route. Explain why. It was counterintuitive because Pfizer was mastering, or let's say we had very good experience and expertise with the multiple technologies that could uh, give a vaccine. Adenoviruses, but some of the other vaccines are. We, we were very good in doing that. Um, protein vaccines, we were very good in doing that, and plus many other technologies. Um, the mRNA was the technology, but we had less experience, only two years working on this. And actually, mRNA was a technology that never delivered a single product until that day. Uh, not vaccine, not any other medicine. So, uh, so it was very counterintuitive, and I was surprised when they suggested to me that this is the way to go. 
and I questioned it, uh, and I asked them to justify how can you say something like that. But they came and they were very, very convinced that this is the right way to go. They felt that the two years that, uh, of war on mRNA since 2018, together with BioNTech, to uh, develop a flu vaccine, uh, made them believe that the technology is mature and we are at the cusp of uh, delivering a product. And so they convinced me. I, I follow my instinct that uh, they know what they're saying. They're very good. And uh, we made this very difficult decision at that time. So I want to make sure you heard the CEO of Pfizer very clearly. He questioned it because he wasn't he wasn't sure about how it worked. He wasn't sure if it was okay. But he went with his instinct. He trusted them. And so, yes, we will just do a mass vaccination. And just so you know, mRNA has never, ever been used in any product ever in the history of life. The very first time a product has been put out into the public for everyday people to get into their bodies in whatever form, for whatever reason, was the mRNA vaccine for COVID. Before that, they never used it. So it was counterintuitive. What a word, counterintuitive, because we have only studied it since 2018. How does that make you feel? They've been studying it since 2018, and then we've never really deployed a product with mRNA, but fuck it. Let's mass vaccinate and see how this baby turns out in 10 years. And we're questioning since day one on this podcast, well, we don't have long-term studies. How can we say it's safe and effective? But like I said in the last podcast, when they say something's 100% safe and effective, that is a relative percentage and not an absolute percentage. What does that mean? In the control groups, which, by the way, the unvaccinated vaccinated control group, they ended, up, they ended up shutting down the study and vaccinated the entire unvaccinated control group. So you can listen to the podcast like four podcasts ago, the letter from the vaccinated Australian writer talking about how, thank God, we still have unvaccinated people, so we still have a control group. So relative percentage, it means in their study that was never completed, in the unvaccinated group, one person died. In the vaccinated group, or sorry, in the unvaccinated group, two people died. In the vaccinated group, one person died. Two is 100% more than one. So they say it's 100% safe and effective. But when you tell that to a normal human being, they take that as an absolute percentage, not a relative percentage. They take it as, oh, it's 100%. Nothing can possibly go wrong. And now, unless your head is 90 million feet into the ground, you know, according to VAERS reports, according to CTC records, obviously people's bodies react differently to different things and that people had, quote, adverse events. Okay, you probably know someone that's had an adverse event. In fact, you probably know someone that's had an adverse event, and you might not even know someone who died of COVID itself. And if that's true, that's sad. I got to get right into the next video. And I need to warn you, 
If you care about human beings, if you care about innocent children, it's sad, but you need to hear this. And on this podcast, we share the facts with you. We give you the truth. And we believe in you that you can come to your own conclusions and do your own independent research. The only reason why I do this is because I spend all day getting prepared for these episodes and I want to save people time because I know not as many people are willing to put in countless hours of work to get the truth out there because the mainstream media, as we now officially know, is full of shit. How sad. Except they're trying to shut down, quote, alternative media, using Alex Jones' example, but on the Jonathan Cogan show, we will not let down. I am here for you. And the only way I get off this fucking podcast is if they kill me, which is, you know, that could happen probably, but it probably won't. I'm a strong man. I'm a strong male and I'm getting stronger by the day. I lifted, uh, I did like, a, uh, I don't know, some type of exercise yesterday where my previous high was 185 pounds. Now it's 225. I'm becoming a monster in a good way. Not like Albert Bola. I wish I was a little bit taller. So here is a call between a gentleman and a pharmacist who gave or who's someone in that pharmacy, not this particular pharmacist, gave his child the mRNA vaccination a couple days earlier. His wife took him without his knowledge. And now his son, who is seven years old, has been diagnosed with myocarditis. And I want to tell you something about myocarditis real quick. There is no such thing as mild myocarditis. Myocarditis, by its very nature, is severe. It is permanent. It's not temporary. It's a permanent inflammation of the heart, and it is more common, and we'll get into the study at the end of the show, in young boys. In fact, they are even saying at the University of Toronto that you have to have a booster, and just so you know, one in 5,000 will get myocarditis. And some like to preface it and say mild myocarditis. There's no such thing. That is an oxymoron. Let me play this video. Another warning. It's sad, but you need to hear it. It's about eight minutes long. I'll, I might not play all of it, but I need you to hear it. And again, come to your own conclusions and take for it what you will. This is a real call between a father whose seven-year-old son just got diagnosed with myocarditis after getting the mRNA vaccine from a pharmacist. Here we go. Yeah, hi. Are you a pharmacist? Yes, how can I help? Yeah, hey, I've got a question. My wife, um, against my wishes, brought my son, seven-year-old son in there yesterday, or sorry, a few days ago for a COVID job, and he's now in the hospital with myocarditis. Um, and I was obviously not very happy with you guys or with my wife. Um, she told me that she was not told that was a potential side effect. So why wouldn't you have told her that? Okay. Um, sorry. Um, so it's quite a rare um, side effect as well. No it's, um, not no, it's not because I've been doing research. It's common. In, in the U.S., there's tens of thousands of them reported in the CDC site. So why are you not telling parents this? Um, 
Uh, we might scare the parents and they don't want to get their child vaccinated. Yeah, so, so you don't want to scare the parents with something that is actually happening that's happened to my kid. Are you okay. out of your mind? Are you out of your mind? You don't want to Have scare you? them. You need to give them the right information so they can make a proper decision. What is wrong with you? You don't want to scare them. I'm recording this conversation as well, and this is going to a lawyer next. Thank you for admitting that. So why don't you tell them? When, when someone comes in there and says, hey, what can go wrong? What do you say? Sorry. Have you um, seen the amount of dead people? Have you seen it? Has your wife asked before giving consent to give She the asked child. what the side effects are. Does she ask? I'm not sure because I wasn't there. It doesn't uh, matter. You're supposed to yeah. tell people this can happen. No, my kid. So you know what the prognosis is? You know what it is? Possible death within five years. 20% of people with myocarditis die. It is a permanent damaged heart. It is not temporary. because the benefit outweighed the risk. No, there isn't. Do you know I'm looking at a Johns Hopkins study? Not There have been 400 people under 18 die in the United States, 330 million people. Not one of them was healthy. They had cancer, leukemia, uh, obesity, something wrong with them. Not one kid has died or ended up in the hospital. So the benefits are zero to my kid. Why did you not tell them? It's up to you to tell them. Then we make a decision, not you. You tell us, okay, it's rare, but it happens. You didn't okay. tell her that, did you? I, I'm not sure. I wasn't the, the vaccinator. Whoever said at you're that not time. doing it. So when the next kid walks in there with a mother for a shot, are you going to tell them, hey, I just got a call from someone. Their kid's heart is destroyed. Keep that in mind. That can happen. Are you going to tell them that? Are you? I I cannot answer you that. Well, why can't you? Because it's going to go to court and you'll answer it. You just admit it that you don't tell people because you don't want to scare them. I, if we no, I, I'm it, not I sure. Huh? Sorry, I wasn't the pharmacist that did the vaccination. Just I said it. You just I don't know what people. the situation is. Yeah, right. So I don't know what she talked in the vaccination area. I'm not sure. You I cannot speak. You, no, don't try and I cannot speak. No. on behalf of the pharmacist that vaccinated. You just told me you don't tell people because you might scare them. I have it on a recording. Do you want me to play it back? Every call I make, because I'm in finance, every call I make is recorded. Every email I send is recorded. Every message okay. I send must be recorded. Because I work out of New York and I live in New Zealand. It's all recorded because of the SFC, SFC requires it. You are recorded.
So that's the fourth time I've heard that. And that breaks my soul. Like not even my heart, like my soul and my spirit. There is nothing worse than messing with children in any scenario that hurts them negatively, especially, especially. Especially if there is data that exists that you can research past the censorship, past the propaganda. You can go deep enough and find the facts. You can read the Pfizer documents, their own papers. You can read the studies, which we'll get into one in a little bit. You can find the truth. And I'm not totally putting this on the parents. I'm putting this on the propaganda that every day for 24 hours a day, seven days a week is on the news channel, safe and effective 100%. It's relative instead of absolute. The brainwash, but now it's killing kids. The very same people 
that were going to Epstein Island to fuck kids against their will of the very same people telling you what to put in your body, Bill Gates. That is evil. That is sick. And it pisses me off. Does it not bother you at all? How? How can one sit by and be complicit? We not only need to come together, which we talk about on this podcast every single day, but we need to speak up for the children. What if that was your child? Would you want other people to speak up with you? Or would you want everyone to be quiet? Because eventually they will come for you. And when they do, no one will be left. If we don't come together, literally in the next three months, we're going to face the biggest existential crisis to our freedoms that we have ever experienced. We are seeing the ultimate rise of a totalitarian regime. And tyranny is so damn close to taking over. The biological, the medical complex, the government collusion with the business interests, the Great Reset. It's no longer conspiracy, people. It's, it's actually, if you don't believe it and you don't see it and you're ignoring it and you listen to ABC and Fox and, and CBS and, and MSNBC and CNN and all the garbage out there, you're the conspiracy theorist. You're the conspiracy theorist. So let me get into another two clips. Um, and one, one, one other last thing I got to say. So I talk on this podcast. I talk to you as if you are right next to me. I am genuinely honest. Every millisecond I am on this podcast. Like we are best friends hanging out, just chatting away. And I'm scared. I am honestly scared for the upcoming NFL football season, college football season, professional sports, college sports. Because as we'll get into these quote-unquote sudden deaths, you're going to see a lot of increase in heart deaths. They're starting to normalize it, saying if you're sad, you have a 30% increase in, in heart attacks or cold showers now cause heart attacks. They're normalizing. It's the propaganda machine. We shared that on, on the previous podcast. But I'm scared because it seems when, the, when men push their hearts and their bodies to the limit, they drop dead. And if everybody's truly vaccinated with the real mRNA, like in the NFL and the NBA, I am scared to death that in the NFL, they work so hard, they go so hard, that we're going to see on this field, players have heart attacks and die. We see enough injuries, but we're gonna. If we see heart, I'm scared to watch it as it comes up because I am so terrified that these athletes are gonna drop dead on the screen for the first time ever. It I, right now, I have like goose. I'm terrified. We obviously hope that doesn't happen, but I have to tell you the truth. That is how I feel, and I'm I'm scared. Let me get into two more clips. This is Professor Emeritus from Yale, Professor Emeritus of Public Health from Yale University fantastic he brings up the best point yet how do we really know if something is going awry if something's going wrong always look at the numbers the numbers the data the numbers and where can you look to see if something's strange the insurance companies right right because if people have insurance life insurance health insurance and all of a sudden they're paying out more 
well, that'd be strange. What happened in the previous year if it just spikes all of a sudden and the cause of deaths are unknown? Let's get into this. There's two clips. I'll play them back to back. Um, the second part is talking about how the insurance companies are. And the first part is talking about how all the people in power are doing, as they always do, try to rewrite history. Because if you haven't seen Dr. Burke from the CDC, who told us all, um, who told us all that, you know, it would stop the spread, you know, all this stuff, everything they told us, which was a lie. We know that now, 100% lie. They're trying to now backtrack it. And just listen to him. This is the top professor emeritus of public health at Yale University, epidemiologist. Take a listen. There's two parts. I'll play them both, and then we'll come back. Joining John and I now is the Professor Emeritus of Epidemiology at Yale's School of Public Health, Dr. Harvey Risch. Thank you so much for joining us again. We have quite a bit of news to help set the American people straight. Uh, I want to get your take on this. I want to start with the COVID-19 vaccine push. When President Trump allowed Dr. Fauci and Dr. Birch to uh, Burks to direct the messaging of it after a hard push to get vaccinated, Dr. Burke seemed to have reverse course. Take a quick look at this clip from a very recent interview. I knew these vaccines were not going to protect against infection, and I think we overplayed the vaccines, and it made people then worry that it's not going to protect against severe disease and hospitalization. It will, but let's be very clear. 50% of the people who died from the Omicron surge were older, vaccinated. Dr. Rich, thank you so much for joining us again. I want to get your uh, take on those comments. She she sounds very different than she did two years ago when she was speaking at the White House under President Trump. Well, great to be with you. I think she's just trying to revise history and uh, mm. what she did and what she said when she was in, in power, so to speak. And, uh, you know, we knew a long time ago that the vaccines were imperfect, that they would have limited duration of benefit. And we had no idea what they would actually do in the longer term. And now that we've had the evidence of what they do in the longer term, we see that they are damaging in various ways to the immune system. Dr. Burke said she had recommend, recognizes that they don't, uh, in this longer term usage, don't uh, inhibit transmission very well uh, between people. And that is, of course, the only government interest, the, the, the only real interest that a government has in, in mandating vaccines is the prevention of spread. And if the vaccines don't prevent spread, there is no government interest. There is no legal reason for a mandate. Yeah, there's no institutional reasons for mandate. Schools, universities should not be, and employers should not be mandating the vaccines when they're now admitted not to prevent spread. Whether the vaccines will prevent severe infection, hospitalization, and death is still a studied question. There's evidence, however, that they're not doing so well even in the mortality uh, outcomes. And uh, there are places and, and groups where people have been vaccinated and after a slimmer, longer time post-vaccine, post-booster, that their risks for mortality are the same as unvaxxed or maybe higher. So this is ongoing and we're studying it and, and we're going to see what happens. You got to find it interesting that it goes from for the greater good to stop the spread to, okay, it's more effective in stopping the spread to it doesn't stop the spread to it doesn't get you as sick, which, by the way, is something that is very difficult, if not impossible to measure, which we will get over time. But you can't know now 
You say, oh, well, it, it backtrack all the way to, well, you just won't get. They keep changing. The goalpost is changing. That's sketchy. That needs to be questioned. Think, think. Use the critical thinking skills that you were blessed with. Let me play the second part. And this is the part we are going to dive deep into because on this podcast, we love numbers. We love facts. We love investigative, rigorous journalism. And that is what we do. And then we transmit it to you just like someone who is vaccinated spreads COVID to anybody else. Because <laughs> we now know it doesn't stop the spread. I mean, go look at the CDC numbers. This is facts. Okay. So don't get all emotional. Let's talk about facts. This is the same guy, Dr. Rich, talking about the insurance companies most likely following suit and suing the pharmaceutical companies. But why? Conspiracy theorists. Step back and start to break the cycle of failure that we've had with the pandemic and now monkeypox. Probably there are only two ways that this is going to be fought back. And both of them involve using the courts as the tool that's potentially available. The, the biggest interests are the ones who have to fight back the soonest, which is the insurance companies that are having to pay early unexpected mortality claims for people that they've, they've, their actuaries have evaluated will live longer than they have. And they have a major financial risk that they have to figure out how to manage. And they're the ones who are gonna go back against the vaccine manufacturers saying that the representation about all-cause mortality was misrepresented from the original trials. That I think is going to be a major pushback uh, on the, the vaccine manufacturers. The, in, in the meantime, we have the lower level cases about vaccine mandates, mask mandates, and things like that, where we now that we have a public officials uh, openly admitting that the vaccines do not prevent spread, there's no rationale for having vaccine mandates, either in universities or institutions and companies. Of course, the only government interest isn't to make sure you don't as sick. They don't give a damn about you. Their job is to step in a mandate if you're going to st start spreading it to everybody else. Now they're saying that these unbelievable humanitarians who care so much, they want to mandate it so you don't get as sick. That's not what the government mandates things for. They're not the reincarnated Jesus or God trying to save the world. We're talking about fucking Pfizer and the goddamn government who historically has screwed you in every scenario of life. But let's dive into those numbers. Shall we? I think we shall. So let's do this. Um, and I'm, I'm very curious to see what ends up, uh, happening, um, with, uh, what happens with um, not only the truth coming out and all the people that are saying oh, these other people are conspiracy theorists and it turns out they're actually truth tellers like we are in this podcast and all these suits they're trying to file to censor and shut everyone else down. What's going to happen when they're proven false? We're going to have to shut down the whole world. I mean, it's crazy. So let's get into this. This is from Crossroads Report. Great Substack, Margaret Wrench. Breaking. Fifth largest life insurance company in the U.S. paid out 163% more for deaths of working people ages 18 to 64 in 2021. 
the total claims slash benefits are up six billion with a B. Let's get into this. Five months after breaking the story of the CEO of One America Insurance Company saying deaths among working people ages 18 to 64 were up 40% in the third quarter of 2021. I can report that a much larger life insurance company, Lincoln National, reported a 163% increase in death benefits paid out under its group life insurance policies in 2021. This is according to the annual statements filed with state insurance departments, statements that were provided exclusively to, exclusively to Crossroads Report in response to public records requests. The reports show a more extreme situation than the 40% in deaths in the third quarter of 2021 that was cited in late December by One America CEO Scott Davison, an increase that he said was industry-wide and that he described at the time as, quote, unheard of and, quote, huge, huge numbers and the highest death rates that have ever been seen in the history of the life insurance business. Now, let's get into actual numbers. The annual statements for Lincoln National Life Insurance Company show that the company paid out in death benefits under group life insurance policies a little over $500 million in 2019, about $548 million in 2020, and a stunning $1.4 billion in 2021. From 2019, the last normal year before the pandemic, to 2020, the year of the COVID-19 virus, there was an increase in group death benefits paid out at only 9%. But group death benefits in 2021, the year the vaccine was introduced, increased almost 164% over 2020. Here are the precise numbers. Again, 2019, $500,888,808. $2020, $547,940,000. $2021, And then if you could see the screen, which we're on Rumble or on the Spotify app, but if not, I'm just going to tell it to you anyways. I'm looking at the annual statement for the year 2021 of the Lincoln National Life Insurance Company, where it clearly shows the, the, the direct claims and benefits paid actually totaling over $20 billion. Let's get into that. Lincoln National is the fifth largest life insurance company in the United States, according to Bankrate, after New York Life, Northwestern Mutual, MetLife, and Prudential. The company was founded in Fort Wayne, Indiana in 1905, getting the okay from Abraham Lincoln's son, Robert Todd Lincoln, to use his father's name and likeness in its advertising. It's now based in Radnor, Pennsylvania. The annual statements filed with the states do not show the number of claims, only the total dollar amount of claims paid. Group life insurance companies in most cases cover working age adults ages 18 to 64 whose employer includes life insurance as an employee benefit. How many deaths are represented by the 163% increase? Good question. It is not possible to determine by the dollar figures on the statement. So let's do some hypothetical measures. We have a hypothesis. But the average death benefit for employer-provided group in life insurance, according to the Society for Human Resource Management, is one year's salary. So if the average annual salary of people covered by group life insurance policies in the United States is $70,000, this may represent 20,647 deaths of working adults covered by just this one insurance company. 
this would represent at least 10,000 more deaths than in a normal year for just this one company. The statements for the three years also show a sizable increase in ordinary death benefits, those not paid out under group policies, but under individual life insurance policies. In 2019, the baseline year, that number was $3.7 billion. In 2020, the year of the COVID-19 pandemic, it went up to $4 billion. But in 2021, the year in which the vaccine was administered to almost 260 million Americans, it went up to $5.3 billion. So from $4 billion to $5.3 billion in one year. And then the statements below from the Lincoln National Life Insurance Company showed that they paid out for all direct claims and benefits in 2021 was more than $28 billion, which is $6 billion more than in 2020 when it paid out $22 billion, which is, was less than the $23 billion it paid out in 2019, the baseline year. So $6 billion spike, and here's the statement, and it shows direct claims and benefits paid, a little over $22 billion. Unbelievable. This is unbelievable. So a $6 billion increase in expenses is something few companies could absorb, but Lincoln National has been working to do just that by increasing sales of new insurance policies. Oh, wow. So hmm, it hurts everybody again. Hmm. In the press release accompanying its annual report and in its press release announced in the first quarter 2022 results in which the company announces a $41 million loss in its group protection business, it trumpets an increase in sales. For the first quarter of 2022, that increase was 42%. The company also mentions that premiums have gone up 4%. Interestingly, in the press release accompanying the first quarter 2022 results, Lincoln National attributes the $41 million operating loss to, quote, non-pandemic-related morbidity, close quote, and, quote, unusual claim adjustments, close quote. Here's another quote from their statement. Quote, this change was driven by non-pandemic-related morbidity, including unusual claims adjustments and less favorable returns within the company's alternative investment portfolio. Morbidity, of course, means disease, which means a lot of people are sick. So Lincoln National stock price fell from about $70 a share on January 3rd to $50 a share this week, which was June, and last month a new CEO was installed. It doesn't appear to be a sudden change, but could have been time to assuage more or major shareholders who have no idea what's really happening and may think that a fresh face and fresh ideas can turn this around. Could I suggest instead an honest and thorough assessment of what's really driving these stunning numbers? Again, this is all in the podcast notes. As always, we cannot keep digging our heads into the soil, into the ground. People are getting hurt. And the very people that are getting hurt because their body simply reacts differently are the same people that are getting shunned as liars, as anti-vax, as evil. Those are the people we need to help. Those people are frustrated. They're, they're not lying. They have no incentive to lie. Instead, they have more of an incentive to be complicit and quiet. Not lie. Why? Well, because Big Pharma basically has immunity. Let's get into that. Big, this is from Natural News. Great resource for real news. 
Big Pharma achieves total legal immunity for coronavirus vaccines, even as vaccine injections will be forced onto billions of people, potentially killing tens of millions. So now vaccine manufacturers like AstraZeneca are openly bragging about how they've achieved absolute legal immunity from all side effects caused by coronavirus vaccines, even as Dr. Fauci and other pawns of the vaccine industry are pushing for mandatory vaccine injections for billions of people. You have no right to say no, in other words, but you also have no right to sue if their product turns out to be faulty and causes injury or harm. What? If your product is so good, you have such a life-saving, incredible product, why are you fighting for total immunity if the product doesn't work well or actually works out negatively? If your product is so damn good, why are you looking for total immunity? Can you think of any other product besides this where you cannot sue the manufacturer? I'll give you a minute. No, I'll give you five seconds because there are none. It's actually just the other vaccines they offer. AstraZeneca has been granted protection from future product liability claims related to its COVID-19 vaccine, hopeful by most of the countries with which it has struck supply agreements, reports Reuters, Reuters, the same company who fact-checked the video the other week of Biden while Dr. Jill Biden was giving a speech, who, by the way, is an education doctor, but Whoopi Goldberg wants her to be like the Surgeon General, but she's not a medical doctor, but that's besides the point. Biden randomly walks off stage, and they play the music uh, or the sound of an ice cream truck, and he goes off the camera while she's talking like he's chasing the ice cream truck. Reuters literally put out a fact check that that was not real. They have so many employees with this censorship and bullshit that they literally put out that a video of Biden walking off in the middle of Jill's speech for an ice cream wasn't real. We know it's not real. It's funny. It's satire. They think you're an idiot. They think you are dumb as shit. And we know on this podcast, you're not, you're very bright, you're very smart, and you're an incredible thinker. And we encourage you to do more individual independent thinking because I believe in you. Quote, the United States already has a law to exclude tort claims from products that help control a public health crisis in the form of the 2005 Public Readiness and Emergency Preparedness or PrEP Act. So. The vaccine will be forced upon you, in other words, regardless of its safety status. Long-term trials are being completely skipped. Animal trials have been largely abandoned. And Moderna, the most prominent vaccine manufacturer on the COVID-19 scene, has publicly admitted that 100% of clinical trial subjects experience negative side effects in the high-dose group during the second round of injections. And Bill Gates, we know on this podcast, that's our homie, not is now publicly stating that, quote, multiple doses of coronavirus vaccines will need to be forced on people around the world, yet we already see that even during the second dose, not mentioned third or fourth dose, the side effects hit nearly every single person, indicating they accumulate worse with the incremental number of doses. But they love you. They love you. Just like big media, big tech, mainstream media, they love you. Everybody loves you. But on this podcast, we hate you because we're telling you the truth, right? 
clearly we have an agenda sponsored by nobody. But everyone else is sponsored by Pfizer. But we have an agenda and they are not corrupt. They care about you. They love you. In fact, they love you so much that the guy who's the head of WHO, Tedros, has not even been vaccinated yet because Ethiopia, where he lives, hasn't done a good job of getting everybody vaccinated. So he's sitting out for now to boycott. The guy who's telling you you have to get vaccinated literally hasn't been vaccinated. Go look at the video. It's all over Twitter. It's all over every search engine, even corrupt Google, compromised Google. So I want to play a little bit of uh, one more video and then get into the sad stories of what's really happening. And this video, I won't play. It's like 40 minutes long. It's all in the notes. You can watch the whole thing. I'm going to play parts of it, but it's really good. And it's from an incredible person who's doing a great job during this time, who, by the way, is a diehard Democrat. Let's make that very clear. He is a Democrat. Before people start saying Republicans, Democrats, Democrats, Republicans, we are apolitical on this podcast. We are not political. We don't like Republicans. We don't like Democrats. And we don't even like independents. We feel apolitical people do not get recognized in the public sphere. Nobody listens to us. And we have a voice too. And I'm here to speak out. Apolitical people not only have feelings too, but we have shit to say. And they're going to start listening. And if not, the Jonathan Cogan show is never going to stop until they hear us. So this is from, I don't know, a Democrat. Let's see. Let's see if he's a Democrat. Let's do the uh, smell test. His name is Robert Kennedy Jr. He is the nephew of John F. Kennedy, uh, former president of the United States, who was a Democrat. His father was obviously Robert Kennedy, who was attorney general during that time, Democrat. People always talk about, is he a Kennedy Democrat? This is Robert Kennedy Jr. In fact, he's put out a great book, like a letter to liberals, reminding people being a liberal doesn't mean blindly trusting in authority without questioning. It's the opposite. Literally, that was the side that questioned authority. And now we are, now all the liberals are saying, oh, yes, inject me. Give me a digital ID. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, poppy. Yes, Poppy. But the Latinos are leaving too. Everybody's leaving. It's no longer liberal. Obviously, it's cultish. And in this podcast, we are not Republican or Democrat or Independent. We're apolitical. I need to keep saying that because people get all their pennies up in a bunch. So I'm going to play a little bit of this video. And let me get into some of the facts first. He has a fantastic, a fantastic foundation which is called the Children's Health Defense. You can go to childrenshealthdefense.org and learn a bunch. And this article is written by Dr. Joseph Mercola, who is a phenomenal physician, written great books, genius. I bet you if you look up mainstream media articles, they'll say he's a bad conspiracy theorist. The guy's a genius. Go do your own independent research. Let me get into some facts. Who owns big pharma and big media? And I'm gonna, you'll never guess. So try and take a guess. Who are the two companies? that own big pharma and big media. I bet you you'll get one of them. You might get both of them, but I'm definitely going to say you're going to get one of them. Got them? All right, this is the one I think you got. BlackRock. Larry Fink. And the other one? Vanguard Group. Did you get that one? If you think long enough, you'd get it. But let me give you some highlights of the story, and I'm going to play a short video of how it works. Story at a glance, big pharma and mainstream media are largely owned by two asset management firms, BlackRock and Vanguard. 
drug companies are driving COVID-19 responses, all of which so far have endangered rather than optimized public health and mainstream media have been willing accomplices in spreading their propaganda, a false official narrative that leads the public astray and fosters fear based on lies. Vanguard and BlackRock are the top two owners of Time Warner, Comcast, Disney, and News Corp, which is four of the six media companies that control more than 90% of the U.S. media landscape. Corruption? No. Obviously, conspiracy. Not. BlackRock and Vanguard form a secret monopoly that own just about everything else you can think of, too. Have you noticed the wealth transfer? Have you? In all, they have ownership in 1,600 American firms, which, is, which in 2015 had combined revenues of $9.1 trillion. When you add in the third largest global owner, do you know who it is? State Street. Their combined ownership encompasses nearly 90% of all S&P 500 firms. Vanguard is the largest shareholder of BlackRock. Vanguard itself, on the other hand, has a unique structure that makes its ownership more difficult to discern, but many of the oldest, richest families in the world can be linked to Vanguard funds. I don't know, probably the Rothschilds, you know, the Rockefellers, such noble humanitarians. Let's get into this short little video. It's not very exciting of a video, but it's important. And uh, it shows how it works. It's going to show you a nice little example. I'll play a few minutes of it. Take a listen. Take a watch. It explains it very well. Here we go. How does it work? Let's take PepsiCo as an example. It is the parent company of many soda companies and snack companies. The so-called Competitive brands are from factories from a few corporations who monopolize the entire industry. In the packaged food industry, there are a few big companies like Unilever, the Coca-Cola company, Mondelez and Nestle. In the picture, you see that most brands in the food industry belong to one of these corporations. The big companies are on the stock market and have the big shareholders in the board of directors. On sources like Yahoo Finance, we can see detailed company info, such as who the biggest shareholders actually are. Let's take PepsiCo again as an example. We see about 72% of stock is owned by no less than 3,155 institutional investors. These are investment companies, investment funds, insurance companies, banks, and in some cases, governments. Who are the biggest institutional investors of PepsiCo? As you can see, only 10 of the investors own together nearly one third of the stock. The top 10 of investors together amount to a value of $59 billion. But out of those 10, only three own more stock than the other seven. Let's remember them and look up who owns the most stocks of the Coca-Cola company, the biggest competitor of Pepsi. The biggest lump of stock is again owned by institutional investors. 
Let's look at the top 10 and start at the bottom six of them. Four of these institutional investors we also saw at the bottom six of PepsiCo. These are Northern Trust, JP Morgan Chase, Geode Capital Management and Wellington Management. Now let's look at the four biggest stock owners. They are BlackRock, Vanguard and State Street. These are the world's biggest investment firms. So PepsiCo and Coca-Cola are not competitors at all. The other big companies that own a myriad of brand names like Unilever, Mondelez and Nestle are from the same small group of investors. But it's not only in the food industry that their names come up. Let's find out on Wikipedia which are the biggest tech companies. Facebook is the owner of WhatsApp and Instagram. Together with Twitter, they form the most popular social media platforms. Alphabet is the parent of all Google companies like YouTube and Gmail. But they are also the biggest investor in Android, one of the two operating systems for nearly all smartphones and tablets. The other operating system is Apple's iOS. If we add Microsoft to the above three, we see four companies making the software for nearly all computers, tablets, and smartphones in the world. Let's see who are the biggest shareholders of these companies. Take Facebook. We see that 80% of the stock is owned by institutional investors. These are the same names that came up in the food industry. The same investors are in the top three. It forms with Facebook and Instagram the top three. Surprisingly, this company is in the hands of the same investors as well. We see them again with Apple and even with their biggest competitor, Microsoft. Also, if we look at other big companies in the tech industry that develop and make our computers, TVs, phones and home appliances, we see the same big investors that together own the majority of the stock. It's true for all industries, I'm not exaggerating. One last example. I won't bore you with the other one, but are you catching on to the horseshit manure? It's corrupt. They are taking over the business and corporate interests. And I keep needing to remind everybody there is a big club and you ain't in it. But that's okay. Because again and again and again, I keep reiterating as peasants, which if you never knew until this podcast that you are a peasant, it's a beautiful thing. There are a lot of us. And if all peasants come together, they cannot beat us. Nothing has been stronger in human history than all peasants forming an alliance together and pointing that energy against the elites. There's only two parties in this world. It ain't Republican. It ain't Democrat. It ain't anything. That's all second and third tier BS. There are one, two groups, and there's only one that you're a part of. There's the peasants and the elites. And again, if you don't have Klaus Schwab's phone number, that dude's probably got a pager. Who knows? 
You aren't in the elite club. So let's put our differences aside of political parties and ridiculous affiliations that are all meant to make the peasants bicker against one another so we destroy ourselves while the elites keep taking the money to the bank. That's what's going on. So let's get into some real stories of what's oh, – before that, let's do a quick study. I just want to go over about the myocarditis. I promise you I would do that. Uh, here it is. It's on the show notes. Myocarditis following immunization with mRNA COVID-19 vaccines in the members of the U.S. military. Question, should myocarditis be considered a potential adverse event following immunization with messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines? Findings. In this case series of 23 male patients, including 22 previous healthy military members, myocarditis was identified within four days of receipt of a COVID-19 vaccine. For most patients, N equals 20, the diagnosis was made after the second dose of mRNA COVID-19 vaccine. These episodes occurred against the backdrop of 2.8 million doses of mRNA COVID-19 vaccines administered, meaning vigilance for rare adverse events, including myocarditis after COVID-19 vaccination is warranted, but should not diminish overall confidence in vaccination during the current pandemic. Well, yeah, the point was what's going on with the myocarditis. And also, I was sent a tweet just now that is very incredible thread also in the notes. This is amazing. This is from at underscore naturisti, N-A-T-U-R-I-S-T-I. It's a spike free. Thread 151. This thread has very revealing data showing that mRNA vaccinations create majority of the COVID cases. Largest COVID waves comes after the booster rounds, not before. After. He gives the source, which is actually Google spreadsheet. It's a numbers covid.rworldanddata.org slash data slash COVID. He says, isn't it weird? Isn't it a weird coincidence that the EU, the European Union, suffered the most largest COVID wave right after the boosting started? Of course, this can be coincidence, but with what possibility the very same thing happened also in every EU member country? Keep reading. And he shares, he turned all that data into charts. You can go make your own charts. You got the European Union booster doses versus COVID cases. Bam, spike. Norway, another chart. Bam. Finland, another chart. Bam. Belgium, France, Germany, Ireland. How far do I have to go, people? Denmark, uh, Czech Republic, or Czechia, whatever you call it now. I don't even know. Greece, Poland, Cyprus, Spain, Italy. Portugal, Netherlands. We love the Dutch farmers, by the way. Shout out. Luxembourg, Lithuania, Hungary, Latvia, Bulgaria, Slovenia, Austria, Estonia. My gosh. Okay. Look at it yourself. We need to speak up. We need the truth to get out there for the damn kids. If not for the other people that you love, do it for the children. I swear on everything. I will put out new content every day and fight to spread this news so that we not only don't get undertaken by tyrannical powers, which obviously is at play. I mean, Jesus, enough with the whole conspiracy bullshit. We know it's not conspiracy, all right? We know it's just something that either hasn't is going to be true in six months or something that's already true, and they just don't want you to look at it. 
please consider coming together. Please consider dropping whatever these labels are that you love to put on yourself that further divides us as a society and just realize that you're human and I'm human and we are in the same peasantry group and that if we don't realize we're against the elites, we are fucked. Can we do that? Can we at least consider that? You know, can we just start at least pondering it? Is that fair? We're coming close to the end here, people. The 11th hour is striking. I'd like to react now if you don't mind. And that honestly is to make my life better. It's a selfish thing. I agree. But don't you want that? Don't you like freedom? I love it. I never realized how much I love it. So people are, are dying, sadly. Um, and we're going to cover a couple of them right now just to spread these stories, which just breaks my heart. So this is um, New York Post. UK mom dies in her sleep on flight with husband and two kids. A mother of two traveling back to the UK to see her parents died in her sleep on a flight with her husband and two children, according to a grieving friend. Helen Rhodes and her family were flying from Hong Kong to the UK on August 5th when she, quote, passed away in her sleep, friend said. We are in disbelief and shock about the sudden passing of our dearest friend whose life has touched many people in Hong Kong and the UK, wrote friend Jane Gigi on a GoFundMe post. Helen was found unresponsive a few hours into the flight. Despite all efforts, Helen was not able to be rescued. Her friend said, this all unfolded in front of her children. For the remaining eight hours of the flight, Helen lay in a breathless sleep in her sleep. Her husband, Simon, and the young kids, Nathan and Emma, are devastated by the unimaginable loss. The plane stopped in Germany where Rhodes's body was left in Frankfurt while her family had to travel the rest of the way without her. We love you guys. Our heart and everybody who's listening to this podcast loves you. We love you, Nathan. We love you, Emma. We love you, Simon. Don't give up, please. We're here for you. In Ohio, Ohio medical student dies during a 102-mile bike ride for cancer research. Mason Fisher, whose mother is a cancer survivor, had biked in the race two times before. A medical student at Ohio State University, go Bucks, died suddenly on Saturday during an annual bike-a-thon for cancer research. Mason Fisher, 27, was at the 100-mile mark of his 102-mile ride when he passed away due to a medical issue in Columbus. Fisher's family told the Columbus Dispatch that he had, quote, a heart-related issue towards the end of the Pelotonia ride. It's a three-day annual event over the last 10 years. has raised over $170 million. He's written it in it before. He's now dead. This is super sad, too. I can't stand it when the kids get hurt. I can't stand it. God, it makes me angry. 12-year-old Clayton Middle Schooler dies following youth football practice due to, quote, severe medical emergency. Look how cute he is. Braden for hay. A 12-year-old member of Clayton Valley Little League died on Sunday due to a, quote, severe medical emergency following youth football practice at Clayton Valley Charter School in California. He was a middle schooler and a young football player, and he had to be rushed to Stanford Hospital on Friday evening at 725 after experiencing a medical emergency during a football practice. This is why I am scared. He has passed away. Saudi businessman Muhammad Al-Qahtani dies mid-speech in shocking video. 
If you can uh, see the screen, you know what? I'll play this real quick. It's warning. He dies on camera. Uh, This is happening all over. There's a video in my show notes that I'm not going to share now. It's of a thousand athletes, college, NFL, I mean, professional, dying on the field. And it's a compilation of a thousand of them. But I'm not going to share that. You could watch that on your own. So I'm seeing a lot of these videos of people talking and falling over like this. So here it is. It's 30 seconds. He's giving a speech at a podium. And then he starts wavering and they show a different angle. They clap and he starts wobbling. Here we go. And he totally collapses, just collapses. That's happening everywhere. Sorry, I'm, that, that, that's happening everywhere, everywhere. Enough, enough trying to not believe this is true. It's happening. Another great article, CDC claims link between heart inflammation and COVID-19 vaccines wasn't known for most of 2021. CDC officials made the claim, which is false, but we're not talking about them lying. In response to a Freedom of Information Act request for reports from a CDC team that is focused on analyzing the risk of post-vaccination myocarditis and pericarditis, two forms of heart inflammation, both began detected at a higher than expected rates after the COVID-19 vaccination in the spring of 2021. This is happening again. This is happening. Expect insurance companies to sue vaccine manufacturers to cover payouts for explosion of early unexpected mortality claims. They have, quote, a have a major financial risk that they have to figure out how to manage. What needs to be done to get the peasants to come together and rise from the ashes? as an apolitical, unreligious, pro-human person. I can't stand innocent people doing, quote, something for the greater good, dying or getting hurt, and then being told they're anti-vax. That is so fucked. This is one of the most important episodes I've done. These are the facts. This is the information. Do your own independent research as always. We encourage you to think independently. We encourage you to do your own due diligence. And we encourage you to contemplate realizing that you are a peasant and that I am a peasant and that as peasants, we come together and we fight back against the forces of evil of the elites. What is it going to take? Why don't you ponder that question? whether it's the daytime or the nighttime right now, when you get off of this podcast in the next two minutes, why don't you think, is it so important that you're Democrat? Is it so important that you're Republican? Is it so important if you're white? Is it so important if you're black? Is it so important if you're a male? Is it so important if you're female? Is it so important if you're a dinosaur or a shoebox? Or are you just a fucking human being that wants to be free and other people to be free so that we can stay out of each other's lives and live happily ever after. I will not be quiet about this. They will not censor the Jonathan Kogan show. 
In fact, they might censor, but we will transmit this to you some way and somehow because we're already starting to be on the top 100 charts of news on Good Pods. Shout out. So if you haven't, it'd be awesome if you subscribe to the podcast, The Jonathan Kogan Show, wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this podcast and you gave it a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to it, that would be awesome, and I'd love you. But do what you want to do. There's no pressure. I'm not sponsored by anybody. I'm on your team. You may not like that, but we're on the same team. Or you can check out the YouTube channel, which YouTube sucks, the Jonathan Kogan Show on Rumble. It's, it's in the show notes. It's the Ownership Economy. I'm going to change it to the Jonathan Kogan Show. All of the things I went over are in the show notes. I put out a new podcast every single day telling you the truth and the facts six to 12 months before the bullshit mainstream media gets it to you, talking about things that you deserve to know and for you to then look into it and come to your own conclusions. And if no one told you this today, let me tell you very clearly, you are loved. I love you. You matter. And if you happen to be a person who was injured by the vaccine or something, do not give up. We are here for you, despite what the mainstream media says. We are not divided. We are united. They are lying to you. They want us to fight amongst ourselves so we don't point our anger at the elites. That is the blueprint. And if you can't come to terms with that, they will not invite you into the club when it comes time. You're not getting in. You might want to think you are. You're not getting in. Look at your phone. If you have Klaus Schwab's number, you might be getting in. If you don't, you might want to think about being on Team Peasant. Again, Jonathan Kogan Show. I'm your host, Jonathan Kogan. I love you. You matter. You're smart. You're intelligent. You deserve to be here. You are imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect. Whatever. You're you, and you should do you do a fault and be there for other peasants and look out for the people who have been negatively affected by this pandemic. And it needs to come to an end, and we need to save the damn kids. So, again, I love you. Thank you for listening. God bless. Have an amazing day. or an amazing